0: alone inside. He's got the breakaway with the touch to the right. Goal! Everything you wanted from this debut, it's Brandon By. Taking a shot with the left. Goal! Isaac fred from 25 yards out. The equalizer. Will Kid with the touch to the goal. It's a go-ahead goal. Minneapolis City. This is
1: the People's Pitch Podcast, the official podcast of your Minneapolis City Soccer Club, brought to you by Summit Brewing Company. This is the place to be for all of your holiday hangover needs. It is the People's Pitch Podcast, and I am your host, Nate, joined by America's Sweet Potato, John Bisworn. John, are you fully recalibrated after this long weekend of feasting?
2: Fully calibrated. However, I must caveat. I think sweet potatoes are fucking disgusting. No, so, what? I don't. I, I just. have tried them. I've tried to like them. I just don't like them. Oh. I. I
1: well, I mean, every you want I've to, I've done post it all. with me. I'll take all the sweet potatoes, man.
2: You know, you can have them all. But I'm, I'm ready to go, man. I missed last week. This is our 99th episode. Creepy. We're out almost. 100. We're almost on three digits, which is. I mean, who would have thunk, right, when we were at Riley Hayes <laughs> doing our first episode? Like, are we doing this right? Um, so I'm pumped, man. I'm, and today is going to be another one of those shows that is going to be awesome. So Yeah,
1: I think it says something about a team when their podcast reaches 100 episodes.
2: It that, does. There's some, lo-
1: there's some longevity to the team there.
2: And we're <laughs> increasing numbers instead of decreasing numbers. So, it's, it's
1: I right. mean, I
2: think this is a winning combination.
1: Well, we got good stuff today as uh, we say goodbye to November and cruise into what is going to be a very busy first week of December. Um, first of all, Minnesota United has been in the news. They made some roster changes. There have been seating issues. Um, we're going to talk about <laughs> all of that. The, <laughs> the NPSL, Can't wait. An, yeah, the NPSL annual owners meeting is in town next week, and um, I, I don't really get what that, what the hell it's all about. So. Um, you're gonna tell me, John, and I'm gonna see if I I'm gonna figure out if I should care about it or not. And then we're gonna have a pig party here in the house tonight. We are joined by what uh, by Sunny from uh, the NPSL Heartland Conferences Tulsa Athletic. And I'm actually gonna let Sonny do the
2: annual owners meeting um,
0: part because he is member, actually
2: right? he's a board member. So I can tell you, it's like all secret handshakes and like fancy backroom meetings, um, which it, pro- it kind of is. Um, but uh, I would rather have a board member maybe explain a little bit about it to the layperson. But at the end of the day, if you don't get what you need, Nate, I'm always here for you. All right. Uh, but I did want to make a, a quick announcement, Nate, to mention uh, we talked a little bit about awards for our our city guys at college, our, our yeah. boys that are in the land of academia. Uh, we talked about the all-conference team members, but it's all region time, Nate. And man, we are shocked full of crows flying, flocking to these teams. Uh, from a Division Three perspective, at Saint Thomas, uh, everyone's fan favorite, Will Kid, made the all-region first team, as well as uh, brief Crow, <laughs> Aiden Hogan, who has one career appearance with Minneapolis City. Um, he he made the uh, first team. All conf- or all region uh, goalkeeper uh, from Augsburg, Lionel Vang, our U twenty three midfielder who had some some solid call ups with our first team, mm-hmm. as well as uh, Luther and I forget the name of the conference because it was one of those weird ones. But Luther midfielder and U twenty three member who also got call up uh, quality call up minutes, Aiden O'Driscoll, and then. Everybody's favorite Samwell, Sammy with the good hair, uh, at Messiah made his all all region first team as well. But we all, we're not done, Nate. The second team we had uh, uh, three more members on the second team, and that was McAllister's Max Kent, uh, Gustavus's Arthur Perrins, and Luther's Harry Mears of our U twenty three team. Oh, and wow. the buck the buck does not stop there. <laughs> uh, from a division two perspective. Everyone's favorite verb, Kevin hoof. He hoofed the whole region, and he made the first team. So uh, capping off his senior year, uh, really proud of Kevin. I know he, he left all of it on the field for, for – uh, the uh, the folks up in uh, Marquette, Michigan. So a whole yeah. slew of players, Nate, um, that we have contacted or have contacted us about trialing for the team this year, and that we will be getting those guys in house uh, for a look coming here in uh, not the not too distant future, right around the uh, holiday break, um, are sprinkled throughout all three teams from all different. Levels of divisions from Division One all the way to Division Two in these All Region teams, and I don't want to name them because they are not official yet. So, yeah, man. Uh, but, 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 congratulations to our fellas. It, it really it makes me proud. I'm a proud dad. I'm a proud so soccer I dad. I mean, that's
1: a huge list on top of the guys that we that we rattled off a couple weeks ago that just made you know their All Conference team or uh, or whatnot. I mean, just for guys to be the... regionally recognized in the entire division whether it's division two or division three is is pretty solid the only player who didn't make the all region team from from our
2: connection was jackson jackson white who was an academic is basically going to be an academic all-american i mean the kid the kid's a a rocket scientist so but he didn't make from a playing perspective the all region team but outside of that we're at like 95 percent making the all region team and i i you know if i had my if i had my vote uh, Aiden O'Driscoll will will be uh, on the All America list, so let's let's cross our fingers for that. It'd be it'd be super sweet to have an All American uh, in 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 our uh, in our club, but yeah,
1: uh, m- more to come on that. All right, all right. So, really quick, let's talk about our dysfunctional sister team, John. We don't we don't get to a lot of Minnesota United news a lot because um, what's the point really? We're a, we're a Minneapolis City podcast, but mm-hmm. uh, United had a couple of couple of Things that were newsworthy this week. The first of which is that they announced their roster changes uh, for for the off season, and they declined contract options on a huge chunk of players, including <laughs> Alex Cap, the third string keeper that never appeared in a game. Um, he did. He appeared. He appeared against Minneapolis City twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess in an in an open game, right? Um, yeah. France Pangap, uh, the speedster who. I wish everyone I Cameroonian everyone international, the Cameroonian international. The other Cameroonian, uh, Bertrand Uwundi Ekuo, gone. Colin Warner, unfortunately gone. Fernando Bob, the favorite, my favorite Bob on Minnesota United, gone. Uh, Fernando. Matt, <laughs> Matt Lampson, uh, unfortunately, although a really good guy, unfortunately a really bad goalkeeper for us, so gone. And Mark Birch, best man bun on the team, gone. And then really the ones that hurt for me, Ibsen, my best friend, uh, gone, not returning. And neither is uh, Jerome tia who I think had the most heartfelt goodbye of all the players, Um he, did you see this, John? He like recorded it basically in the lobby. In the hallway. In him, the hallway. Clearly like, after yeah. <laughs> getting the news that he would not return. So he's super emotional. That
0: uh-huh. was <laughs> oh, so sad.
1: You feel so I bad think, for him.
2: I think, out of that list that you mentioned, I, I would think that he and, and I mean, Ibsen's aging and like him or hate him. Ibsen is was probably the most technical player on the team, and we've yeah. talked about it before. That a lot of his distribution goes for naught because the players around him weren't making the proper runs. Um, but he, as he's getting older, he he can't recover when he loses the ball and things along those lines. But I think out of the out of that list uh, those two that i mentioned but matt lamson from a pr perspective the club put a lot of legs into him with what all the great things he does for the community uh with cancer research being a survivor himself off the field Uh, it's it's sad to see him go but it's the it's the nature of the business man when you when, when you get to that level it's uh it's it's a soccer franchise from a professional perspective and and you don't get to keep the
1: people you like that's that's true um I didn't mention, so those are the guys that all had, um, that all had an option of club option for this next year that weren't picked up. Um, guys mm-hmm. that did not have a club option that were just straight up out of contract that are gone are Johan Venegas and Harrison Heath. Um, who I think got red carded off, red carded into retirement. Basically
2: <laughs> <laughs> he got sent off into <laughs> retirement. Yep. Uh, and then
1: we lost two guys that were on loan that are going to be, that are also like, see you later kind of guys, Maximiano back to full Manese, and, uh, uh, Alexi Gomez back to, uh, back to where he came from, Peru or Colombia or something, um, which is great. Alexi Gomez sucked for us. So in general, I'm going to say nice to know you to these guys, but Ibsen and Jerry kind of hurts. The biggest issue, though, for me, John, is um, we just jettisoned 13 out of 30 players on the roster. So right now, the United, if they sign Eric Miller, if that all works out, they still don't have enough players to fill a full game day roster. And the ones that we have are, are kind of questionably fit to play every day. So not really the the look that you want to have leading into the third year of your three-year, of this va- vaunted three-year plan to uh, basically have to rebuild half your squad.
2: Right. And I think one thing to note before I get into my my portion of this <laughs> is there's also three of those 13 players that will not get protected for the... Um, for the um, the new franchise draft for the um, three of those uh,
1: seventeen that are saying, you mean?
2: Yeah. So three of them don't get protected, which means oh. they can they'll be available to be picked in the expansion draft. So yeah, I didn't think about that. So out of all of those players, you probably don't protect your rookies because, um, you know, a team would have to want to take a flyer on a guy who's unproven from another team. Um, so you'd probably think that Carter Manley and White Olmsberg are guys that are going to be on that list, but you never know. I mean, back in the day, um, you know the Houston Dynamo figured that they an aging Brian Ching, uh, who was uh, a franchise guy for the Dynamo and, and a very very good performer at the MLS level and and somewhat at the international level level they didn't protect him and they saw the Montreal Impact pick him up as their number one pick which totally backfired on them and then they had to give up they had to give up uh, supplemental draft picks to get him back but so
1: they wanted him
0: back.
2: They wanted him back, so you hope that uh, the powers that be at United aren't thinking they would leave a player uh, of a higher caliber unprotected for that that expansion draft. But in general, Nate, here's my take on things. It's it's no surprise to anyone that follows Minnesota United that the lion's share of those players they brought in did not work. And I get it. Um, This basically to me is... A, a hit the refresh button and we we tried some stuff it didn't work we learned from it we're just going to Clear. We're gonna clear the room, and we're gonna keep what we know is quality, and what's coming off of injury that we had with you know uh, Molino and uh, and and what's his nuts? East, East, uh Finley. Yeah. Ethan Finley. And so we'll see what those guys those guys do. But those guys are of quality, so that's why they're sticking around. But the rest of the guys, I get it. You know, it's it's from a franchise perspective, this is them showing that they're publicly showing that what they tried didn't work, whether they say it or not. Mm-hmm. And you have to believe that now that frees up room to go after a higher caliber of player and, and also really formulate a system of play and bring in the players that can actually play that system instead of trying to fill gaps. You know, yeah. do we need like a 10th winger when we signed Franz Pangop? Probably not, but they saw something <laughs> in him that they liked and they brought him in, now is probably is gone that methodology and they're thinking through, okay, we have we no more square peg round hole and more square square peg square hole. And so th- I think that's how they're gonna how they're gonna do it moving forward.
1: You you think that they were kind of taking a flyer on some of these guys because they they had the they felt like they had the flexibility to do that or it feels like it well feels part like- of it Go ahead. You don't know, sorry to interrupt you. Part
2: of it is they just had they needed warm bodies at, at certain points in the season. Mm-hmm. And you look at I'll just keep picking on Pangop because I saw him feature against us more than he did at the MLS level when we played against them, but <laughs> I I didn't see what they saw in him when when he did play at the MLS level and when he played against our teams that we played against them behind closed doors. Yeah. So you have to think that it was like a, a holy shit, we need a winger because someone's hurt moment. And, and less of like an Alexi Gomez who had, was a proven player at his level, but just didn't perform in, uh, in the MLS. So, you know, I, 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 that's what I have to believe. And I think that's what's going on. But, you know, you know, unless I'm the getting paid the big bucks, uh, (laughs) I have no clue what's going on.
1: I think there was some level of, of excitement during each of these scouting stages that Minnesota United went through, whether it was this, um, you know, trip to Scandinavia to scout, whether it was the trip to Central America, the trip to South America, the trip to um, Africa, uh, Africa, right? And when you th- when you think about it, all these guys that everyone got so excited over or was really were really hopeful about, <coughs> excuse me, they're all pretty much out the door except for Calvo and Schuler, right? Pretty the much af- the African trip, not not worth it. Um, oh, Angelo Rodriguez, I guess, who, you know, he of the, the penalty kick highlight reel. So I've, I've yet to see a whole ton of flash out of this guy. But I think, um, you know, maybe Romario Ibarra worked out really well, will work out well. Obviously, Quintero worked out super well. So that, that sort of central to northern South America trip seemed to be, mm-hmm. seemed to be great. But like everything else is, has been a wash. So you, you got to hope that the club either has wised up. Or has changed their methodology and how they're evaluating players, because if that's if that's the percentage that we're going to hope to keep out of this next crop of you know seventeen guys we hope to fill the roster with, I don't I don't feel very good about it. Right. I mean, hey, you never know. Yeah. You know, but, I, You know. I am kind of soured on the team because I've got this other story to tell, tell about Minnesota <laughs> that has kind of kind of been stuck in my craw for this last week. Um, I teased it a few weeks ago on my personal Twitter, I think. Or was it on our Twitter? I can't remember. But uh, but now I've got the full picture here, and I kind of want to I want to tell the story because it's so bizarre. Uh, so I'm a season ticket holder, as some people may know. I see a lot of a lot of our listeners and a lot of city fans of the games. Um, and I got a call on the 14th saying that they ran into a situation with the final seating install, and one of the seats that I that I have chosen. For the 2019 season (laughs) was not there and uh, (laughs) so that was a weird that was weird voicemail to get Um, you really you can't make this up so I figured so I called him back and talked to this this nice guy and he basically explained to me that the realities of the physical space of course did not match the architectural renderings that they sold everyone's season tickets against so not just me was affected. I think it seems like... It sounds like our entire section... Well, I'll be in section 33... Lost to the 18th seat out of the out of the thing. So anyone that had seat 18 from rows 1 to however many, 30... You're out of luck. You're going to have to pick new seats. I didn't. I've, I had seats something like 14 or 15. So I was a little confused as to like... Why, why are my seats not there? Did you not install three seats out of the row? Or what's going on? So... I I took I was kind of shocked and surprised, so I took like a, I took my consolation seats. They moved me a couple rows back and a, and a little bit um, into the aisle, right? So I at least got the aisle, but then I realized, like, wait, if I'm going to sit on this aisle and the seats are going to be 16 and 17, why is my seat, 16, just a couple rows down, not there? Like, are you guys lying to me? Are you making something up? What's going on? So it turns out that what they did... For this entire section is that anyone who had lost a seat on 18 got to pick a new seat based on your initial seating pick priority so if you most people you figure if they're on the aisle they probably had high priority they probably had a higher priority because aisle seats are real nice so all these people got to pick where they wanted to go instead and basically got to bump us in the rest of the section out of our seats a trickle-down effect. And then, yep, and then we got kicked into the system to keep picking where we went, where we wanted to go, where we wanted to go, to the to the, to the effect that, like, some people who, were, who thought they would be in Section 33, pretty nice, close-to-midfield section, now are not in Section 33. So I want to hear... I, I, I put it out on Twitter. I heard a lot of people saying, like, ah, Classic United, like, it was kind of a joke. But I really do want to hear, like, who in Section 33 was affected, if there's any listeners out there, that maybe just happened to be in my section or really how far spread was this throughout the, throughout the stadium? Are there, That's people a really good season. Are there people that are season ticket holders on the complete opposite side of the stadium that this affected? I know it probably affected a number of mid, it sounds like it affected a number of midfield area sections. How far did it go? How many people lost their seat? How many people did Minnesota United have to really shuffle around because they decided to sell tickets before they realized exactly which seats were going to be in their stadium? Um, so anyone out there, please feel free to email us at MPLS City S I'm sorry, at the People's Pitch Podcast at gmail.com. That's what you wanted. No, what the hell's our email, John? <laughs> MCS <I didn't>. podcast <laughs> at gmail.com, you, Thank you you dummy. I've only had I've only done this ninety-nine times.
2: Right, exactly. Um, my whole take on the situation, not coming from a non season ticket holder perspective, is this is a total ready-fire-aim situation where they were, like, jumping the gun and trying to field feel this new, beautiful stadium. And oh, then yeah. they hit then they hit an no oh-shit moment. And now my task for the club is what do you do next? How do you fix this? And how do you mit- minimize the impact that this could have? Because how many to, – to your point, how many people – we affected by this outside of your section. Mm-hmm. If this is every section, let's do the math on how many people don't become season ticket holders because of that situation. And that it becomes a serious issue. And after,
1: well, you know what, you know what fucking sucks the most, John is that the, the <laughs> attitude, I, I'm pretty sure I know
2: <laughs> the attitude
1: at the end that they took with us was basically with me. And I think probably anyone else was like, Hey, you're just lucky to stay in your section. Like, you, have st- you still have pretty good seats. You're lucky to be there. There are people that, that had to move out of it, right? Oh, well, that's great. But really, the thing is, is like, we really <laughs> have no leverage because they've got this, the fucking preserve or whatever, the, this, this waiting list society that that's to, apparently people are just clamoring to get into the stadium. So even if I were to be the guy that put my foot down and was like, well, then you don't have my business. United doesn't give a shit. Because there's a list of 500 other suckers that would take my seats in a second. Yeah, I mean... I felt pretty... That that, that made me feel pretty bad throughout this whole like process. It's like, does it really matter how mad I am? Probably it, you doesn't. know, for those listening out there, if you are mad and you want to
2: have a, a solution to this whole thing, for $60, <laughs> not only do you get season tickets... To Minneapolis City, but you also get a fancy new membership scarf, a little credit card ticket thing, and a chance to make what we've created your own, That's being part point. of our club.
1: You know what's crazy is I was thinking about this, is like how different the Minneapolis City experience is from Minnesota United. Like, you want to bring a giant cooler full of beer into the stadium? You Go can and do that. We don't need, <laughs> it doesn't need to be in a tiny clear bag. Right? Do you like,
2: do you want to dress in a furry costume? Go ahead. <laughs>
1: Dude, you want to pop smoke? You're not supposed to, but we we might let you out on, on rare occasions.
2: Right. It is totally different. It's like the only rule is like if you're a child, don't sit close to this rope.
1: <laughs> yeah, basically.
2: Because you will uh, hear swear words.
1: It's <laughs> pretty swears. much it. You're going to hear some right. swears. Anyway, very exactly. different experience. Well, I hope,
2: I, hope they, I hope they clear it up for you, Nate, and for all of the listeners that may be affected. Um getting more people into watching the beautiful game at whatever level it is, is important to me. So I hope it, hope it gets cleared up for folks.
1: Yeah, me too.
2: Whether you've noticed it or not, we have been bringing on owners and managers of some of the best and most interesting lower division soccer clubs over the past few weeks, as we lead up to our very special 100th episode. And this week being our 99th episode is no different. And we are pleased to welcome an NPSL board member, a famous restaurateur and the owner of Tulsa Athletic, the one and only Sonny D'Alessandro. Sonny, it seems like only yesterday we were together about a year ago in the mean streets of uh, New Orleans enjoying a few laughs about four tier soccer. Uh, welcome to the show.
3: Well, th- thanks for having me. I think it's important to start this off by saying none of what you just said about me is true. <laughs> 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 oh um, no thanks for thanks all for lies me. uh what is this so this is the the wayne gretzky edition right is there who's a who's a better oh how about the mark gaston though was he a 99 or a 92.
2: uh you know let's pretend he was 99 i like that reference
3: yeah all right i'll go with Gaston. no he was I think he was a <laughs> he was a terrible human though right
2: yeah he was i mean he he was very good to his his daughter but apparently outside of that he was a terrible human
3: i <laughs> Yes okay fair enough, fair enough. and you so, got like we've got to be real careful because like I, I do one of these things also and mine devolves into talking about fucking nothing in like four minutes so that was uh, it, it took 30 seconds yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly
1: so you pretty much follow
2: the same script we do it must be like a like something that the MPSL hands out to owners that <laughs> you have to divulge into soccer for uh, a third of your podcast um, <laughs> and the rest of the time is a bunch of bullshit yeah um, I,
3: have a, I have like a five-step process for when i um wipe my ass like seriously and our podcast hits on that probably like 65 <laughs> <laughs> percent so, it just gravitates towards that shit so
2: it totally does well we'll try to keep us on track here so before Feel we cool. dive uh, before we dive into you and and everything that you represent in Oklahoma, uh, we have a little thing called the MPSL Annual Owners Meeting that's ascending on the great city of Minneapolis next week. And seeing that you're a, a member of the board, uh, I could answer questions about basics of what the meeting is, but can you tell us, our listeners, a little bit about what this meeting is and kind of the types of things that are discussed and that go on during the meeting?
3: No. <laughs> uh, yes. yes. Uh, so... I mean, I think it's one of the it's a really cool thing that's unique about our league is, you know, it's a big league. There's a 100 teams. So um, it's I I think, to my knowledge, the only member run organization in the United States in, in terms of a, a soccer league. So it's an opportunity for, you know, us to come together once a year and kind of be that democratic society and be able to have a voice. And, you know, there's the elections of. Uh, of the new board members and um you know there's some really um so i I don't want to say like tedious or anything but like sometimes a guy will go up like this is how our insurance works i'm like i'm gonna do my best to stay awake but um, (laughs) you know i mean there's business to be done right there is it's i mean it, to be honest it's a it's a it's a big business meeting and we talk about the direction the league is going in i mean there's the financials and the budget and um you know to us open cup stuff and you know philosophically where we want to be in five years and and stuff like that so yeah it's it's a good time it's a bunch of bunch of soccer dorks in a room for for three days so i mean, it's uh, you know, our weird little heaven, I guess. Yeah,
2: and if you're like me, you go to none of that boring stuff, and then you just go to all the fun stuff afterwards. That's really, really how you should do it.
3: I know, you know, and I, I used to be—I don't want to say like the exact same way, because I, I, I dig, I dig the nerdy stuff too. Um, but I really test myself over these three days. Like, I spread myself so thin, because uh, I pride <laughs> myself on being like. Up, showered, and like not smelling terrible in the mornings when I go to these meetings, and yet like I like to be the, the last man standing in the, at at night as well. So I'll get back from I'm like, oh my god, I'm glad I don't have to do this for another year because I've got a total like six hours sleep over three days. So it's um, really
2: it's really hard living the cockroach life. I know it very well. The
3: cockroach life is real.
0: <laughs> no, for real.
3: Well, and they do it in, like, what they need to do is, it's like, next year's meeting is in Toledo. I mean, no no offense to all of the Toledo listeners you guys have, I'm sure, but... Um, they
1: know that already?
3: Yeah. <laughs> it's like, they do it in New Orleans and New York and San Diego and Minneapolis is going to be fucking great. So, they do it in these places where there's just all the fun to be had. And then they expect people like me to be, like, focused and productive. So... I wear the two hats, but it is taxing. Like it's a hard, a hard three day push for sure. (laughs) It should
1: just be like in some barn in the middle of nowhere.
3: Exactly. No, that's exactly right. Like uh, it should be. I'm all. I mean, I I can't bring up Toledo twice, but uh, we just just Amish country every year.
2: (laughs) So it should basically basically be a kegger at the Moon Tower, is what you're saying.
3: (laughs) Um. I mean, I think, see. I think we're wandering back in. I think it should be a church. That's what it, it should be. It should be a <laughs> church, because <laughs> like the least possible um, ways for me to go astray during during the meeting. Like I think I could conduct myself most reasonably if it was just like in a church. and There was nothing else to do. So <laughs> I would so-
1: pretend like I have to go to the bathroom at least once every five minutes.
3: Uh, yeah, I'd have to deal with burning That's, skin for like the entire time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so um, now let's talk about the things that people really want to hear about. Um, so for those <laughs> those people in, in these parts uh, that listen to our show, they don't really know you from Adam. But right. basically, um, from what I know is you're a visionary uh, in sport before it was cool. For athletes to jump from high school right to professional sports, as you left your successful goalkeeper post um, in high school at the tender age of 17 to sign a pro contract with the Tulsa Roughnecks of the USISL, tell us a little bit more about your playing side of things from your your career perspective.
3: Are you just straight jacking my wiki page like right right there? That was super well rehearsed. <laughs> I mean, this
2: but, is a this is a, this is a professionally amateur podcast, Sonny. So we have to do some level of journalism. <laughs>
3: Um, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I was a fucking awful student. I knew what I did not want to do, which was anything that related to like school or work. So, um, you know, I was a decent, I was a decent young player. Um, you know, I saw you called me from a Milwaukee number. I, that's kind of where I cut my teeth with the Milwaukee wave in 1996, um, I was like 18 or 19. Um, which was kind of the real deal. Like the, the roughnecks was great. I got to play with, you know, some of my heroes, and you know i I think and i don't want to get off on tangents but like i was a kid i was like 17 or 18 and i think that not enough kids do that playing with grown men and being like hey this is how fast the game goes get used to it you're gonna have to do it at some point so uh, i thought that was really valuable but yeah um my pro career really started in in milwaukee in 96 uh 97 there and um yeah i mean i was a bad student i love playing soccer so i went out and made fucking hundreds of dollars <laughs> a year and <laughs> here i am taking here i am taking my apron off after a, a night of making spaghetti for people and i'm on a low rent podcast I mean, it's
1: lucrative like hey whoa whoa low rent
3: come on <laughs> i only say low rent because i'm on it though
1: we use <laughs> we use only the finest free software
3: well <laughs> and your your listeners should know that like we spent a like a real 35 40 minutes just figuring out how to like make us connect and, and talk so I, ta- I do I take the lion's share of the blame for that but um yeah no um yeah I I, I did a little soccering in, in my youth um you know was there a follow-up piece to that it's like how did we go from there to where I'm at
2: uh, we're, we're definitely going to get there, but a brief yeah. caveat is knowing that you uh, your stomping grounds were Milwaukee for part of your career, and that's yeah. where I am from, what yeah. were the yeah. hot spots in town at that time that you used to frequent when you were a, a professional soccer player in Milwaukee?
3: Man, I don't even really remember. Like, like no lie, I was 19, so I was getting snuck into places. Um, and the Dusanskis were young. Well, I only played with Todd when I was there, so um, for you know a year so like honestly the hot spots were i mean on the road i'd get snuck into a couple of spots i, I would i can tell you i'd love to travel i love to eat i love to booze when i go around but milwaukee is actually a city i don't know very well because i was so young when i was there it was basically to training every day and back and then <laughs> to the to the bradley center on uh on game days, I mean, you can, I mean, I'm a little Can anyone
1: really this. know Milwaukee though?
2: Yes, you can. And that's my follow-up: is that, <laughs> is that now knowing what we know that it, you don't really remember it, it seems as if you and I need to make a pilgrimage back to Milwaukee together. And we can, we can experience my, my taste of Milwaukee and where I used to go and then connect all of those dots in your brain that don't remember. Yeah, that's yeah, well, bad idea. yeah
3: no, I want that. I want that. I mean, I lived, I think, I, I literally lived in like Lily White Wauwatosa when I was there. <laughs> so, uh, you know that that's that's where i was, that's where I was kicking it. I mean, I drove past Jeffrey Dahmer's house and the Paps the Paps Blue Ribbon Brewery, uh, which for those of you who don't know, looks like a cartoon castle with like bricks that really do probably fall off the building <laughs> during, during the year. Have um, I told you about my Paps Blue Ribbon? Um, like. I've got a mission for Pabst Blue Ribbon. No. Well, they won the Blue <laughs> Ribbon in 1893, right? Um, I think you'll have, to, you'll have to check me on that. But I want to very inconveniently lobby for them to win America's Finest Beer again so that they have to, like, change their packaging up and have to change the name to Pabst Blue Ribbons. <laughs> 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 just, 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 just add that. the S. Yeah, yeah. Just add the S. Yeah, That's just weird. add the S. Do you, really, you really drink you, you drink PAPs, don't you?
2: I mean I do. It's not my go-to, but it's it's it, your
1: profile picture on this video call right now. Well,
2: I know. Yeah, I started my <laughs> Gmail account that we're using, you know. Spoiler alert, we're using Google Hangouts for our podcast today. Um I, I like created that when I was in like college, so of course it's my fucking profile picture.
3: <laughs> but yeah, I, I I do drink it. Yeah, it's okay. All right.
1: So, Sunny, I think uh, you know. So far, the interview will tip people off to this, but we've talked to to good many goalkeepers on the show in the past, and they've all been just a little, little like off in a positive way. <laughs> and I think they all attribute it to the fact that, like, they're on an you're on an island all by yourself for most of the game, um, nobody near you, and you're kind of alone with your thoughts. Uh, and that leads to your mind having to you know keep you engaged and things can get a little weird in your world. What's the weirdest kind of stuff that you think about or the weirdest stuff that you that you've done when you're kind of all alone down there between the posts?
3: Well, I think that what I can do for you with that question is say those other goalkeepers are fucking idiots, and I like to get, <laughs> I like to get involved. Um, if, you wanna, if you really want to dig into that wiki page, I believe I'm America's all-time leading goal-scoring goalkeeper with three. What? Um, yeah, yeah, bro, take that, Tim Howard. Two, two to go, homie. Um, so, I mean. Are we weird? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> um, yeah, no, we're fucking weirdos. Um, what goes through my head? Um, you know, nothing really awesome. Like, I struggle to focus just in life in general. I'm a creative person, which usually means I don't do well at focusing on stuff. So, my folk, my my thoughts were basically like, pay, pay the fuck attention, because. Um, if you're floaty like you know you I'm not going to get the job done so i don't know i you know when i was in big games and stuff i tried to kind of lock in and just you know play my chess back there move my pieces direct everything and keep um keep my lines clean and you know just just communicate um you know i i think like anyone else who played the position when they were younger like you do have time to see if there are attractive women um you know which you know that i can contribute like will i dive into the post tonight to keep one out yep i will um no it, it's um uh, it's a it's a weird it is a weird position because you are you are just kind of isolated but um if you ask some of my former teammates like anything that wasn't a close game like <laughs> i was a i had to have been like the worst goalkeeper teammate to have i drew i drew a penalty in the other team's box one time like i got taken down in their box because we were up by a, a fairly wide margin, and I was just like, I'm not, I'm not going back on that half of the field. That's half stupid. Um, I got smacked, what? and uh, so I got taken just... down for a penalty. <laughs> so,
1: wait, you just decided, ah, this this is not for me. I'm just going to start attacking.
3: Yeah, well, it was like senior year of high school. Um, <laughs> or no, it was junior, junior year of high school. It was like a Friday night game in a tournament and we were paired with like a younger team and it was bad like it had got it, it had gotten out of hand. The guys were pissed about having to play on a Friday. Um and so uh, you know, we had an old English coach that played at like Fulham and and Leicester. Um and he knew he knew that like there was no controlling the boys that he was pissed that we had to play on the Friday as well. So he just kind of was like, look, don't any of you get hurt. Um uh, And yeah, I, I didn't go on my half of the field for that. that (laughs) So
2: I I did promise we would get back to how things ultimately translate. So, um, you ultimately partnered with one of your friends to conceive and launch your kind of next and current soccer project in Tulsa athletic dive, dive a little bit deeper into how that idea came about and why in God's name, you decided to embark on ownership of lower tier soccer.
3: Well, that, that's a great question. And, um, you know that's i've i've actually told very very few people this um but i was god i was what 34 or 35 and i never liked the way my career ended like i had a, a fairly short professional career like i played a i only played a couple of years and um i started getting nervy at the end of my career like and it was affecting the way i was playing and i kind of just went out because i wasn't performing because i couldn't keep like my nerves in control it's super embarrassing to say but like that that affected my my the level i was playing at. and it kind of cost me my career at a, at a fairly young age so it always sat really like wrong with me and the an indoor league started back up they started up saw another iteration of the misl and like milwaukee came down to play um wichita so i drove up to wichita and a couple of my buddies, I played in both cities. And like there's a guy, Juliano Olivero, that played for Milwaukee. He was the assistant coach, and he's the head coach now. He's the head coach now. Uh, he was assistant at the time, uh, Keith, because Keith was still there. And um, a couple of my guys in Wichita were there, and they're like, look, man, our backup's terrible. Like, you should just come up and and play. And uh, you know, I start to kick it around, and you know, thing, maybe I can have like a better ending to how things went out. Cause you know, it's, it's a, it's a weird thing and it, it can, it can bleed over to other parts of your life and things that you do. And I was like, I would love to write that shit. Like that'd be a great thing for me to do. And so I start training like four or five times a week. i will get myself fit. Like I get myself indoor fit. Um, and something at the restaurant happened. Like, I think we lost a dishwasher or a cook or something. And this, this question just popped up. Like, am I really about to move to Wichita for six months to play in nine games <laughs> for $1,500 a month tops um, and just, like, leave my business just sitting here? And, you know, it was like this, this real come-to-Jesus moment where I was like, hey, man, like, you don't always get this storybook ESPN 30 for 30 ending to your career. Like, sometimes it just doesn't happen that way. And uh, it, the thing that... Became really apparent, really clear was like I still had and will always have this almost unhealthy competitive side to myself. So I had to figure out a home for that and a way to channel that. So there was nothing, nothing had been good in Tulsa for since the late 70s, early 80s. We had an amazing NASL team here. Like we rivaled you guys for attendance and we're nothing. Like we're Tulsa, we're a very small city, and yet we were getting you know, 30,000, 35,000 people when the Cosmos were playing and we were averaging, we were in the top four in attendance what? every year. So yeah, the, the old NASL Tulsa Roughnecks, a, a ridiculous following. So Tulsa has this really weird soccer niche. Um And I got with a buddy of mine who I had known since kindergarten who played a couple of years at Brown. Um, he's a doctor and much smarter than I am. And I said, hey, look, why don't we why don't we do this thing here like why don't we why don't we bring an npsl team here? and there had been one in tulsa a couple of years before ours so we went we had a discussion (laughs) with them and uh we ended up i think we ended up buying it for like two grand more than what the franchises were at the time which was like i don't know eight eight thousand or ten thousand dollars or whatever so we 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 buy this thing (laughs) actually before that we sat down with his wife he's like look i'm married Um, This seems like a a project that could take up a bit of our time. Um, I want to bring my wife into this, the discussion. So (laughs) they come down for dinner at the restaurant. I'm kind of explaining, you know, what the league is, what we're looking to do, a couple of ideas that we had for where we were going to play. And um, (laughs) she turns to him and she goes, look, uh, Tom, if uh, that's, that's my business partner, Tommy Curran, Dr. Curran. She goes, look, Tom, if this is going to be your midlife crisis, man, it beats the fuck out of you buying a motorcycle. (laughs) And um, yeah, that was, that was kind of the, the genesis of it was, you know, we met and we went from there and then um, we got, we got a hold through months of discussions with the county. Uh, It shouldn't have been as hard to do as it was, but we got a hold of like this old baseball stadium that had sat dormant for five years and uh because we wanted to have beer like that was the whole thing it's like we don't want to play a to, to fucking high school like beer is a part of sports and we want to we want it to be prevalent in our games and we want our fans to come up a, a good responsible time so um <laughs> yeah we you know we i think we marketed it pretty well um and i think we the timing of it was really really good for tulsa um and we didn't we didn't know what to expect um our season ticket numbers look look pretty good but i'll never forget the day of our first game um a lift went out which if there are any plumbers that listen out there they like basically they they, they're what take all the shit away and it it broke and so we call the county and it's in our lease that they have to fix it they're furious because i'm sure it was like ten or fifteen thousand dollars to fix this fucking thing because they're all you know, it's from a fifteen thousand. It's from an eleven thousand seat baseball stadium. So, this guy's over here, and I'm I'm up setting up all kinds of shit. Like our facility was a big facility. I'll send you guys some pictures after this. But um, I was walking by this guy, and he's talking to the other guys. I don't even know why we're we're gonna we're fixing this thing. There's not going to be a hundred people here tonight. And <laughs> I'm, I'm like, man, fuck you. Um, and it was just the coolest thing, John and Nate, like. Well, I think we ended up with like 4,200 people um, opening night. Yeah. And it was just magic. Um, We had eight players that did not receive international clearance. So we got completely fucked on the deal. And um, again, I'm just, I'm just kind of tangenting along here, but. um,
1: You know, what's funny is we talked to Johnny Wardlaw from, um, from Little Rock and he, he had a similar story where like on his first night, there was like way more fans than he could have ever expected. Oh yeah. And it, you know, stupid, stupid me for, you know, a guy from Minneapolis who, you know, the, the greatest soccer city in the world or whatever, like obviously we would never expect to get, and Minneapolis city didn't expect to get so many people in the first, in the first game. But you guys both have told these stories being from somewhere like Tulsa, somewhere like little rock, like down South, who knew soccer was so secretly huge.
3: Right. Well, Yeah. And I think ours had a lot to do with how big it had been here. Um, Yeah. And and, and that there had just been a gap in, in putting a product out there that had, you know, lived up to that. And I'm, I'm a, I'm a huge soccer nerd. I'm also a huge Tulsa nerd too. So like, I don't want to say we were the first, but like we had a bunch of local food trucks, like parked next to the field in the part of the outfield that we weren't using. And like, I had local graffiti artists come down and just tag the fuck out of the wall with like some really dope, like also athletic centric shit. And it just had this great, great feel to it. And um,
1: yeah, I mean, you guys are party in the park, right?
3: Yeah. Well, yeah, that's us now. I mean, it was just a, it was, it was, it was this just really grassroots organic thing that popped up. Um, And yeah, the, the, Finish the, the the opening night story real quick. There's like I'm I'm running everywhere and I'm in the merch shed or whatever. And this lady comes up to me and she's like, "Hey, Wally's playing tonight. We're excited. We're like really excited for him." And Wally was like this guy who'd been, he was a training player. He was maybe squad rotation, like decent decent player, whatever. But he was getting his chance. I'm just kind of not. I'm like, yeah, he's been working hard. I'm glad he's getting his chance. Blah blah blah. Like I'm, I know he's not gonna get any time. And uh, but he's on the bench tonight because. We had eight players not get international clearance, mm-hmm. yep. and this game was with a team called Liverpool, and they were out of Dallas, like a Liverpool Academy type of team or whatever. And nil nil at halftime, we go up one nil. It goes to one one. Their guy, this massive crowd, massive supporters group for the for the game too. And this guy runs in front of our supporters group and shishes them, um, and we go up, two, we go Word. up two, we go up two one, and then they score again to, to go 2-2 two, two with about 15 minutes left. And he shushes our supporters group again. And, um, it's our first night. Like, we're just glad that like nothing's on fire, that the fire <laughs> marshal's not there and, and pissed like, you know, no one's fallen over any rails. Like, Holy shit. Like, like this is going to work. And, um, they sub our guy Wally on and, uh, <laughs> this shit still gives me like goosebumps, but like, um, 88th minute a ball comes my my man fucking lays out diving header fucking three two the dagger runs over to their fucking bench to the fucking dude that scores (laughs) twice and just shushes him. and after that (laughs) after that after that moment like he's been sir walter hubbard and that's like a bronze statue that i keep in my office um (laughs) it it was just like this magic magic beginning um yeah you know we really connected with our community we hit it at the right time we we went on to average like 3500 fans a game that first year we had 6000 against club america's u20s i think we ended up being like number 31 or 32 in the us that year for soccer attendance which 3500 was a significant figure and mm-hmm. still is it, it's it still is so yeah that was oh, that was kind of how how it was born man um it, it was it was it was super cool. I knew a little bit about how front offices like what players did and didn't like and um I knew what Tulsa kind of did and didn't like and we we packaged it together and threw it out there and it was cool. It's really cool
1: so Sonny, you've brought up a couple times uh you know your restaurant and you had to leave your business you know you didn't want to leave your business and things like that so you yeah. you own and run a, a, a sounds like an Italian restaurant,
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so uh, that was, my, uh, my dad, there, that was
1: also ahead. oh I, I guess the the thing is is i that was my previous life too before i got into before i got into advertising and before i got into soccer was you know running running bars and restaurants and uh i wanted to know if you you see any similarities uh not necessarily day to day but just from a big picture standpoint in in running a, a restaurant versus a lower division soccer team like i know that there's just it's total chaos day to day. You're hoping people show up. You're hoping, you're hoping you can hire the right people. Um, there's always a fire to put out, you know, literally or figuratively. Does that, does that translate to, to running this, you know, to the Tulsa athletic?
3: Well, I think, I think that's a really cool question. I think what's really interesting about your question is I think I see it in almost an opposite way. So I think the big picture thing has less to do with it than like the day to day stuff does because at the end of the day, like, we're, I mean, we entertain stomachs here and we just our entertainment with that. But like, it's a, it's an experience, right? So, um, you know, I was the one at the, at the games when people were leaving, it was like, Hey, thanks for coming. Like, we really appreciate you. And, I, and I'm, I, I cook at the restaurant and every, every, whatever else needs doing. But like, I, when I, when I'm out front and got my coat on or whatever, and people leave, like, I'm always like, Hey, thank you guys for coming in. I, I really appreciate it. It's good to see you guys. And, um, so it's, you know, so oh, it's about i've always kind of wanted to make sure that the experience at the moment is as good as it as it can be and there's a lot of planning that goes into that but once you're off and rolling like i think the similarities for me is um you know i want that that almost personal connection with the people at the game um and there's different rate ways that you reach people at a soccer game in a restaurant obviously but i think the idea is the same that like you want to feel like hey we were in this together like we wanted the, we wanted the same thing and, and everything was great to your liking. And um, whether it be like you deserve a Michelin star or whether, yeah, that's three fucking points, buddy. Like, let's go. So, um, yeah, that, that's a cool question. Thank you for asking that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot to be said about creating a creating an atmosphere, whether it's in the four walls of your restaurant or whether it's in, in the stadium that makes people want to come back. And that's a great way to <laughs> your business and a great, great perspective to have.
2: And for what yeah. it's worth, I wrote that question just in case you were wondering.
3: Yeah, yeah, we we chuck you a half point. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: so there's an issue. We we kind of talked about it uh, when we were trying to get you on, trying to get everything working worked out technically. But it sounds like there's an issue with your name, right? Like the fact that you have to use athletic versus athletics, and that there's still some some back and forth around that. What's the what's going on?
3: Um. Okay. I want to answer that question, but what I want to do real quick is have like this mid interview timeout and i want to put uh, i want to put johnny business on blast real quick <laughs> um so so get this i get this um twitter message from and he's like hey man i hear you're coming to town you want to jump on the podcast um uh, like yeah that sounds great and he goes well i really like we want you on the lead up to our 100th our 100th uh, show i would really like to talk more about lr and I'm like this fucking guy. Oh, um, you got form so, lettered. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I knew what he meant, but I respond. I'm like happy to come on. What's LR? And this fucking guy writes a typo should have been TA. My man, my man used my like one of my arch rivals. It's like it's like me saying yeah, I'm happy to be on with. You. I love Duluth. It's a great place. It's a Great place in the summertime.
2: <laughs> the first rule of making a mistake is never admit to it, and it, it, at all costs.
3: <laughs> no, exactly, exactly.
2: Um, I have another oh, yeah. mis- when you come into town and we're off air. I have another big mistake I made in the soccer world uh, <laughs> recent recently with our friends at the new USL team in Madison, and that 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 story is uh, reserved for off air. But I I can top that what I did to you with what nice, I did to them. Nice. To be fair, if if Peter Wells involved, it's
3: always it's always a good story, right? Um, So yeah, so we get this letter in year two from the Oakland Athletics, and um, they're they're like, hey, you can't use athletics, and I was like, um, why? Like why? And they go into like all these ridiculous reasons of like. First, I, th- I didn't even think it was real. I was like, why is a Major League Baseball team's attorneys calling me? Like, that's, that's ridiculous. Um, and so it, it boiled down to uh, their argument is, and this is still an ongoing thing that I probably can't talk about, but I absolutely will on this podcast. Um, um, <laughs> They'll never find us. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, hopefully it brings you like a bunch of like – rabid baseball fans. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's the, a, that's exactly, the last fucking they, thing we need. Yeah, exactly. So they cite things like it creates confusion in the marketplace, to which I'm like, hey, man, I- I'm going to be real honest with you. Like, yeah, we do we do play in a baseball stadium. But not one time has anyone been like, hey, Gary, the Yankees aren't playing the Oakland A's. These are two <laughs> soccer teams in, in the middle of Tulsa. Like, I think we got this one wrong. So it's like super un- unrealistic and – at one point, there was a settlement call. They called me for settlement, and I have – I went to school with a girl who's, like, it's like a super high-powered – she went to Yale and like, a super high-powered New York attorney type, and she's, like, instructed me on how to take the call. So, they're like, yeah, this is a settlement call. We just want to go over that. We're going to say that in the beginning. And we're like, okay, I'm – to the end of this name, like – uh, we we are pretty much married to it, but if you want to write me a check for, I forget what the amount was. It was like either fifty or a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> I was like, you know, we'll we'll work with it. We'll drop the S or or whatever. And they were obviously not expecting that. They were like, no, we're gonna let you license it from us and shit like that. And at that point, I was like, man, fuck you guys. I'm I'm just gonna kind of let this shit go. But we ended up. What what sucked was I. <laughs> I went to the USPTO, the, the the trademark office, and filled out everything, stated my case, and they issued me my word mark and my trademark. So I was like, "Cool, this is done and dusted." And then I got a letter from them. They're like, "We we mistakenly issued you your your word mark and your trademark." Uh, and I'm like, "God damn it!" So this has to continue to go on. So what? Yeah, I wrote this I wrote this piece in um a local a local rag here called the Tulsa Voice and um they were kind enough to to publish it. It's really funny. I'll send it to you guys too if you have like a link um online to your podcast if they if, yeah, if yeah. your fans want to read it. It's it's very funny. Um a friend of mine helped me write it. I wrote it and he kind of edited it and stuff. He he writes on this HBO show called Barry, so He's like a super... Shut uh, up. Yeah, yeah. A guy I went to high school with. Um, well, Bill Hader's a Tulsa guy. Like, I went to high school with Bill, so um, his best friend is a really good friend of mine. who. No way! Yeah, yeah. Um, that's alright. And I'm like uh, some star fucker. Um, <laughs> boy.
2: But... Um, sure sounds like it. That's just yeah, me, though.
3: No, no, but my, <laughs> my buddy's a really funny guy, and like, I sent him this, and he's like, dude, this is so stupid. Like, let me clean a few things up, and, and like, help me write this thing and it, it it went out in this rag and like it was really well received and it's ve- it's very funny um I'll, I'll send it to you but yeah it just kind of encapsulates the david versus goliath and the end of the end of it is uh, the, the picture of it is me spinning a ball on my middle finger with like the crest shirt on um and the end of the story is like look you can have your fucking s like we'll be toss athletic it's a traditional suffix for for teams like you can you can take the s but you're not really going to take the spirit of what our club is so that's right yeah there's big money dickhead lawyers and a guy read the article and has been doing some pro bono work on it for us which has been really nice and i think we're probably actually just going to keep athletic at this point rather rather than bouncing it back we were we you know we were looking at maybe picking up piggyback offing piggybacking off of the Las Vegas hockey team because they're big money lawyers some people to keep the, what are they? The golden Knights.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
3: um, so yeah, someone else has that, but they're doing what we, Army, done, right? we don't have the money, the money to do it. Yeah. So we were going to see if they set a precedent, which we could kind of piggyback off of, but at this point, I don't really want to change it again. So I think we're just going to leave it. I call it, I do the color for our games. I call us the athletics all the time. People that call it the athletics are fine. Like, you guys can call us the Athletics. It's who we were born as. It's a name that we still welcome and embrace. I don't care if they hear this, whatever. Um, but yeah, um, officially on the record, we are Tulsa Athletic. And and I have
2: a I have athletic. a great I have a great idea. I, listening to this story and obviously being one that sides the little guy in these type of arguments, uh, we have to get all of your fans, all of our fans, together to. Around the clock, monitor the URL that the Oakland Athletics have purchased. And as soon right. as that shit goes into sale again, when they have to re up it, we right. get it's an immediate bat signal that the first person who's there buys it. And then you have to get their lawyers on the phone um, for when they want that shit back. And then you get your hundred thousand dollars.
3: Yeah, I love it. I love it. I will split it with you guys. Uh 99 to one. You can have the 99%. I just am down for some fuckery with these baseball assholes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you know what's so, funny is like I forget who it was. It might have been Peter Wilt that sent an email through. I'll have to remember one of the one of the guys in the, the A's front office, this this they got a hold of the story because like I don't know. I, I forget if I, I probably brought Billy Bean up in this story a couple times, but, uh, well, that'll anyways, do it. <laughs> like got, like their, front, their front office gets a hold of the article and, and they fucking love it. Like they think it's hilarious. And anyways, I was blind. I was blind carbon copied on one of these email chains and they're like, Oh dude, we love this article. Like total bummer. We can't really call off these dogs. It's what they do. But like, just for the record, like we're not our attorneys, they're assholes. So, it, it's kind of a bummer that that's how that works when you get that big, how it's sectioned off and just like the legal team handles. And they're basically glorified and like corporate ambulance chasers who just monitor their, their right. and trademark and, and fuck with people. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a bummer. And I'm all – like I said, I'm all about uh, messing with them. So, yeah, if you want to set that up, you let me know what I need to do.
1: <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> well, speaking of messing with people, man, um, we have found – through our experience that there is really nothing better than beating a team uh, wearing pink and which is why we choose that color. And, and I think you guys also have chosen pink as well. What is, what's up with that? What, is there something, is there a similar attitude there? Is it just something you just, is there something um, more, a little more meaningful to it or is it just straight up we're fucking with you?
3: Well, okay. There's two answers. So one would be, Like our colors is uh, green for green country, which is this part of uh, Oklahoma. Gold for trophies are fucking gold, maybe. I don't know, I might be making this up right now. And uh, pink is the the cartoon color for a heart, for your heart, I don't know. Um, No, I mean, I think it's important for every man to go through like a a really intense emasculation phase. A pink (laughs) pink phase. (laughs) Yeah, I uh, real talk. I, I drive a Prius and have a chihuahua right now. Like I, yeah. So I mean, it's all good. Um, no, our our men's league team um, had the same crest that we started with. Uh, we had a men's league team. What's what's the what's the men's league team? Um, what's the mothership for you guys? It's um uh, Stat- right? St- yeah, Stegman's. Okay, so ours is Boston Avenue Athletic Club, which my restaurant's on Boston Avenue. Um, the park that our first game was at is between Boston Avenue and a street called Boulder and Boulder actually has a team too, which is kind of cool. There's a derby then they're they're pretty good. Um, and uh, where we actually play now is at Veterans Park so um, but yeah, you know is that we were a men's league team and me being a dork was like our jerseys we should have a sponsor and we should have a crest. So my roommate at the time just came up with this like crest. Um with a lion and a unicorn and the backdrop was pink. Um and they get in they get, you know, reversed all of the time. And it the, the unicorn used to have a red eye. We don't do it anymore, but for the men's league team, the story of the men's league cub was the the red eye that the unicorn had was because he was angry and a little stoned. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, he's
1: graduated he's graduated to strictly cbd oil now so. <laughs> yeah i know he's
3: getting older and his joints are mm-hmm. achy uh, <laughs> no unicorns have an alicorn on there that's what that shit is and it's uh has healing properties so the unicorns never need cbd oil they just like oh fair fair um no it, you do you know, play dungeons and dragons or something <laughs> how would you I... know that <laughs> Uh, well, when your unicorn gets brought into question as much as ours, ours does, like you're, it serves you well to be like well-versed on unicorns. So. Excuse me, sir.
1: The horn is called an alicorn and it's got incredible <laughs> exactly. healing properties.
2: I mean, you need to yes, know a lot about a unicorn.
3: As such. <laughs>
2: you need to know a lot about unicorns when their high-profiled attorneys come in and try to take it from you. So. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I, so
3: I, I, comp- I, I completely agree. I completely agree. So, um, yeah, I mean you know, you're like late twenties and early thirties. You're like, yeah, let's make it pink. It's either going to be pink or Brown. Like what's it going (laughs) to be? So we went, we, we went, we went with pink. um, And uh, we just haven't turned, turned back since.
2: So, so to kind of bring this, uh, this to a conclusion before we get to our, our next segment with you uh, out of all the things that you've done since your inception of the club. And, you know, you've, you've kind of talked about how awesome the first, the first, you know game was and the first yeah. year in general was what's your favorite moment since inception outside of that opening day
3: man uh, outside of that opening day is that's a great question that i do not know that i can. you're gonna have to give me a second because there we've we've we, we've been lucky you know we've, we've been a really successful club uh, the past couple of years i think the parody has uh, in our conference has gotten a lot better so it's been a lot closer but um Jesus,
2: man, this isn't even a speed round question. Can't wait to see, can't wait to see what you do there.
3: Well, it's such a terrible question though, because it's like, (laughs) Hey, over the last seven years of things that have gone down, like what's your favorite thing? It's like, I don't know, John, what's your favorite fucking song? Um, (laughs) it rivals that question. Um, you know, I, 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 I gotta probably give like a more broad, blanket answer and i you know i think the relationships that you build and this, just the strengthening of the family like that process is um is is just it's the most important part i i think my favorite my favorite part as i get older in this is you know we have a foundation now and what started as 20 kids in one school is now about a thousand and 20 schools and the, the metric, uh, the, what what's required for them to participate is they've got to attend uh, X amount of, like, a percentage of school, which is, like, 90%. Their grades have to be a C or B average, and, like, they can't misbehave in school, and it's essentially weaponized the teachers. Like, they're on a sign-up sheet, and when they're being little fucks in class, like, she walks over to the sheet, and they all, like, get in their seats, and they start studying and stuff. So, like, that's been really... It's been really really impactful um to watch like these kids in lower income schools have something um available to them that's actually making a difference you know i mean this is wonderful on game day if someone said hey cut one of your balls off and we'll give you three points like i'd fucking consider that shit you know like you're, you're like you're, you guys i'm sure are the same way i am like game day it's like whatever we need to do to win I will cheat I will what, what, whatever I mean, there's a board member saying that mind you but you, you get my you get my drift but as, as time goes like no one remembers the third game of our season in our second year but mm-hmm. if what we do allows us some sort of path or conduit to having a more impactful presence in our community I think that that is a direction that's been really fun for me to be a part of. And it really keeps a lot of my attention recently, especially because um, I think that, you know, that that's a way to, to genuinely make a difference. So, yeah, I think overall the ability to create a path to, um, you know, connecting with kids and giving them an opportunity to be um, more more than they might not have been able to be without it it has been probably the, the best the best thing for me
2: so see you drew out a very thoughtful awesome answer it was a good oh, yeah, question
3: I, my spectrum is wide <laughs> i can be a total dickhead and a <laughs> as well but yeah well
2: <laughs> i think that this is a great pivot point to our next segment which is the world famous lupiant automotive speed round hell yeah 80 percent of americans own a car if you're in that 20 percent uh, then we have the folks that can help you join us. Cool kids head to looping automotive in golden Valley or check out their inventory online at looping.com. Okay, sunny. Here's how it goes. 10 questions. It's called the speed round just because we needed a name for it. Um, <laughs> and, we, and we, and we had an auto sponsor, so it just worked. Um, so 10 questions. We can't go to the next one until you answer the previous one. Speed round is a suggestion. So if you need a little bit of time, we get it, but we're not on for another four hours. So try to be mindful of that. Um, we ask all of our, our guests, do you need like to refill a drink? Do you want to stretch or are you, are you, are you good to go? Do we prime you enough that you're ready to dive in?
3: No, I've been drunk since things began.
2: Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. I, I was going to say since yesterday, but I'll give you the benefit of the doubt.
3: Yeah, no Not let's, just let's, shift let's, drinking. Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, that's right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So first question, what is the name of this famous producer, actor, and singer who was elected into the U.S. House of Representatives in 1994 uh, and represented California's 44th
1: congressional district?
3: Oh, God. Um, oh, uh, He's
1: real famous. He was on Scooby-Doo a couple times.
3: Is it? It's probably something with my name in it, right? So, uh, Sonny Bono,
2: you are correct. Question number two What is the brand name for this famous homemade Caesar salad dressing that is sold at (laughs) Penny's grocery store?
3: I like this one because Petty's has been out of business for two years, but you can find it conveniently at your local Reesers at uh, 18 Tulsa locations. Uh, yeah, Dad does a my dad does a, our Caesar salad dressing and our uh, our red sauce. So yeah, that would <laughs> yeah. be DeLisandro. John,
1: time. did you know that it was literally his dad's company? <laughs>
3: yeah, I totally did. Oh, okay.
1: That, then that's an extra easy question. So, yeah.
2: so, so, Sunny, so I will give you the utmost respect because we have done this. Not ninety nine times, but maybe like sixty times, and nobody gets that their first two questions are first name last name. Oh, really? Yeah. So you you have you have one, you have cracked the code. So Whoa. hats hats off to you.
3: Good luck, number one hundred. Eat my <laughs> dust, <dick.
2: laughs> Uh So um, so. <laughs> question, <laughs> question number three I'm sure you, <laughs> I'm sure you have uh, a week's or more worth of stories from your playing days but what's one of the the more unique stories of your playing career both either on or off the field um, that you can share with us
3: uh, um I would have to say if this is a speed round I would say auto orf on the corners of the penalty box diving into the crowd at the Bradley Center was so reminiscent of like Jimmy Fly. Uh, uh, Jimmy Superfly Snooka, It was in, it was an incredible moment. So yeah, <laughs> Otto Orf diving into the crowd, fighting fans in Milwaukee, and being uh, he let he went to jail. <laughs> Which
2: was I incredible. I was <laughs> in attendance as as a youth for Superfly. that for that. Were you really? America. Yeah, I totally was. I I mean my my family's been season ticket holders for the Wave for decades so yes i was there and i i remember my dad saying well that guy's never gonna play in milwaukee ever again
3: <laughs> that's uh okay and I, i'm gonna fuck your speed right up real quick uh, that's fine that's fine so my roommate in wichita um was a buddy of mine he didn't play on the team um and he was like hey you're playing cleveland and i auto orbs my favorite player i was like how am i not your favorite player i'm your <laughs> favorite goalie in the league which is so stupid but he's like you need to get me his autograph. So I'm like, all right, whatever. So after the game, I'm like, hey man, good game. Um, do you mind signing this for my buddies? Like, sure, no no problem. And, and so it says, Two out of best wishes, auto orf And I bring it to him, right? Job done. And he's like, What the fuck is this? <laughs> I'm like, it's an auto orf autograph. And he says, Uh, yeah, I get that, but it doesn't say from your best friend Otto orp so <laughs> I, we, had, we played him in cleveland like two months later and i had to travel with this fucking picture and we no Otto and, and write, hey will you add two from your best friend <laughs> i think it was like i think he had right had like two my main man adam from your best friend Otto orp it was so stupid but he was kind enough to do it so Uh, Yeah, sorry to fuck up the speed round.
2: That's okay. I mean, that's a good story. Considering he's a guy, considering he's a guy who jumped into the stands at like a in professional indoor soccer league game to fight people, I'm sure that you had a little trepidation going back to the well on that one.
3: (laughs) For real, (laughs) for
2: fucking. Uh, Okay, so number four, seeing you're a goalkeeper, what's your go-to brand of gloves?
3: Uh, Right now, it's Outlaw. There's a great little company that. That uh, works with us right now. It's a guy from from Tulsa, and they do they do they do a really nice glove. So when I do get out and train some younger goalkeepers, or get out every now and again, I'll, I'll jump in and train with the guys. I um I'll write some some outlaw. Back in the day, um. Outdoors, the old school will uh, Sport APGs, because they were like cheating. They had like fucking honey and glue on them and shit, which was amazing. Um, and then indoors, it didn't fucking matter. That shit's either going to hit you or it's not. Um, so yeah, I, I just wore like old ski mittens, I think. I, don't, I can't even remember. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, all right, so number five. If you're stranded on a desert island, uh, we ask this question a lot. What's the one condiment you would take with you that you'd have for the rest of your life?
3: Oh, fucking easy. Uh, <laughs> Horse radish.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so here's the funny thing. We talked about goalkeepers being a little odd. Our goalkeeper coach said sweet relish. So I would uh, like adamantly said sweet relish. So I would say. No, it was Doug Sidney, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he, he said sweet relish. So it's your sweet relish or his sweet relish and your horseradish are two of the most unique answers. Uh, it's interesting you're both goalkeepers. Um, anyways, number six. You don't have to tell us if you don't want to, but is there any sort of secret hazing ritual that the MPSL board members have to go through when they're elected?
3: It's probably a night out with me, probably.
2: <laughs> you are the hazing ritual.
3: Uh, well, yeah, i'm I'm kind of like the de facto social chair. so it's like, yeah, you gotta go keep up with them for a night or or you're not in there. Um, I really, I wish there was just because we get kind of all types, right? I mean, I would love to like be like, hey, Cabajouf, you've got to do this voodoo with me right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> shout out Rhode Island Reds. Uh, shout out not Cincinnati Reds. Leave them motherfuckers alone.
2: <laughs> uh, all right, number, number seven. Who's your favorite soccer player? Uh, Past or present or whatever. Your, your all-time favorite.
3: Oh, you know, I was a big Gigi Buffon fan. He made his debut one week before I did for Parma against AC Milan. Got a shutout. Uh, I lost, I think, fifteen to nine against the Dallas Lightning. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, similar paths, similar paths. Uh, I, no, I'm, I, I love Gigi, man. He, he was, he was my guy. Gigi, Gigi was my dude.
2: So, number eight, uh, everybody gets one of these. The would you rather question? Would you rather? Uh-huh. Would you rather have your shirt be always? two sizes too big or one size too small
0: oh
3: i don't know um i'm gonna say i'm gonna say too big and uh, that way if, maybe if i had a lady friend stay over she could have something nice to wear right a dress <laughs> it, becomes, it becomes it becomes a versatile argument a, a versatile article of clothing at that point right yeah you know slap a belt on it it's a dress Am I allowed to cut the sleeves off either of them? I might, I might want to change my answer here.
2: You can do whatever you want. It's your shirt.
3: Um then I'm going to take it back. I'm going to go I'd like to put on 20 pounds and midriff the tight one. <laughs> Perfect. So Perfect. Crop that thing <laughs> off all 80s style. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and just listen to some Def Leppard in a in an old Trans Am. Uh, I've, got number- a great,
3: I've got a great Def leopard story, but I'll tell it another time.
2: <laughs> All right. Sounds good. So number nine, uh, we talked about uh, Gigi was kind of your favorite player. Yep. Who was your biggest influence in soccer?
3: Um, that's that's a good question. That's a hard one to answer quickly. Um, it's, a, it's a guy called Victor Moreland, uh, who was like my other dad. He played for the old NASL uh, Tulsa Roughnecks back in the day, and he was a – like a Man United youth team player played at Darby County. I'm sure you guys probably, who are the, who are the old NASL guys in, in Minnesota? So like is Alan Merrick still there? Yeah. Yeah. Alan
2: Merrick, Wiley, um, a couple, a couple of those guys.
3: Okay, cool. So yeah, Victor Moreland was, he was my guy. And he became my club coach at like 15 when I was 15. And you know, when I was 17 was when I started playing with the, the Tulsa roughnecks indoors. And I, I was lucky enough. I got to play with them, um, which was super cool. Like I babysat his kids growing up. They're like my little brothers. Now he was just like my other dad. I'm, I'm sure you guys probably had that, that figure also, but he was like, he was like my other dad. and He was literally the hardest motherfucker ever to play too. He was just, just, a, uh, an animal on the field. My, my, the first time I ever played like in a professional game, uh, I made a I made a really good save, and I took a half second to kind of pat myself on the back. And he's this really hard Northern Irish guy, and he was he was on that line. He was like, "Sonny, play the fucking ball in my fucking feet." And I'm like, "Holy shit!" Like I thought I just did good. Like you're just yelling at me. But we get into the locker room. And he like pins me to the wall. He's like, "It's a fucking man's game out there." <laughs> and I, and I, you know, it, it was super valuable, even at that level. Like, I look back on it, I know he's probably fucking with me, but everywhere I went, like, I mean, you probably know, like the day you probably know David Moxham, right? An old Milwaukee yeah. Wave player. Like, <laughs> he was a to- he was a total asshole. Like, great great dude, but like, he was always down for fucking with players and was the hard man, and just like, just always taking the piss and everything. And you know, um after after being around Victor and growing up around Victor Morland, it was. um yeah, I, none of that. None of that really got to me at all. So yeah, he 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 was my dude. He scored a goal against England for Northern Ireland as well.
1: Nice. So
2: uh, you you've almost made it. The last question, number ten. It. If you could be uh, the president of FIFA for a day, what's the one thing that you would change and why?
3: Probably disband that motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> burn,
2: burn that bitch down.
3: Burn that bitch to the fucking ground. Um god these are these are questions where i feel like i'm going to set a new record for the longest time taken to answer the fucking speed record.
1: they're good but, answers
2: uh,
3: they're
1: good answers
2: though that's why yeah, it's a, well, it's a I, suggestion
3: I hope, I hope that your listeners find them somewhat entertaining because i i don't mean to just stall this out but um you know i mean it's in such a desperate need of reform and and figuring out you know how to keep corruption out of it that Um, I just gotta go with twelve foot tall goals, probably. (laughs) Make the goal bigger, (laughs) because now I yeah, I mean it's it's fucked. If I yeah, I mean I don't know, I don't know. I guess if I if I were president of FIFA, what I would do is I would call for the United States to become in compliance with the the FIFA laws of as they pertain to promotion relegation. I think would probably be my uh, what I, what I would, what I would do. And I think that's a very American centric answer, but, um, yeah. Hey, hey, it's your answer. I I thought you were going
2: to go with the old set bladder that, that just make the shorts tighter.
3: It's, that's right the <laughs> men were well were, were, were the skirts this year
2: <laughs> well sonny listen man it's been a pleasure i i knew what we were going to get out of you for this podcast and you definitely didn't dis- disappoint i um uh, i really appreciate you coming on with us and uh you know i hope you guys have much success in all of your endeavors in tulsa whether it be a restaurant or soccer and uh, i'm really looking forward to linking up here in, in a few days
3: Guys, thank you so much. I had an absolute fucking blast. Nate, it was great to meet you. I hope you're able to catch a beer with us while we're in, in Minneapolis. Uh, Dude, I wouldn't miss it. And, and yeah, th- th- thank you guys for having me on. If you guys ever need anything at all, give me a shout. Same goes for the rest of you US soccer people. Holler. <laughs>
2: all right, right Sonny, thanks, thanks, man. A we'll, we'll, see you in a, we'll see you in a few days.
3: See you guys.
1: All right, bye. That is all for this week, folks. Big thanks to Tulsa Athletic soccer owner, Sunny DeLessandro for joining us and as always thank you to our sponsor, Summit Brewing. Hey, winter ale is back, folks. I'm drinking one right now, and boy am I glad because it is one of the best sets of suds for the for these cold dark days. Keep a lookout for it at your local watering holes and liquor stores. Summit Brewing, a more meaningful brew since 1986. Hey, it's, uh, it's giving season, man. If giving back to the community means a lot to you, maybe it is time to give to the club that gives back. Minneapolis City is a 501c3, and we provide a safe, reliable, and fun environment for young people to play the beautiful game. Look for us playing with kids in parks and community centers all around the city, and consider that year-end tax-deductible donation to a true city-focused organization. Like John mentioned earlier in the show, memberships are now available for 2019, and they are on sale. $60 is going to get you a ticket to every home game, a fancy new membership scarf and a say in club decisions, like say we want to add a U19 team. Visit mplscitysc.com for more information. And we will never cut out seats and rows. We, you will always have a seat in yep. Minneapolis City. That's a good that's a good fucking slogan. calling all twin cities fifa players join us for the first minneapolis city fifa 19 xbox one tournament happening saturday december 15th at the club shop everyone who registers is guaranteed at least two games you can play for fun you can play for prizes you can play just to drop humiliating sellies on unwitting opponents uh i like the homer simpson run around in a circle on the ground one only ten dollars to enter. Register today at MPLSCitySC.com. Keep in mind, you must be eighteen plus for this first tournament, and spots are very limited. So do not drag your feet. If you want to, it is easy to hit us up on Twitter at the <laughs> Pitch or through email at mcscpodcast at gmail.com. There sure, it, it is. Addresses I got. I got incredibly confused earlier in the show. <laughs> uh, all questions, comments, and concerns are, are welcome. I'd love to hear from you if you if you went through the same seating issue or if you're currently going through the same seating issue with Minnesota United, just to compare notes and to see what they told you. Um, and we'll, if you want, we can feature you on the show. And that is all for this week. Once again, we're going to leave you with our house MC Miles Stockman-Willis, a.k.a. Malays, with an original track for you called When You Fall. I am Nate, that is John and until next time fam just You got a huffed. P2, all region first team member.
2: You got huffed.
0: who I found you, so don't ever frown when loneliness is around you I'ma show you that someone should crown you, not clown you, but pursue virtue, would never hurt you critical, in distance, touch is digital biblical, tell death, love is unconditional, telling us we're a team and not two individuals, for you I get my spleen, the spiritual and the physical loving what is fragile isn't always fixable, but I see what's invisible, see it affects visuals grab my hand, hold it, we gon' think the unthinkable, I promise we will close that our boat's unsinkable I promise I'ma drown in you drown. Let you drown in me, me. Feel the recipe You all love to overfeed love it. Let's proceed slowly no. Not go bad like Moldy no. Ravioli, rigatoni Girl, I'm free, falling for you Still, temptation follows free Just tell me when you fall for me Please, just tell me when you fall Free. Girl, I'm free, falling for you Still, temptation follows free Tell me when you fall for me, please. About to give in, but I'm staying true. If I sin, may I be forgiven for a few. What we got to lose? You just gotta listen. Such a good girl. just made a bad decision. One, one and done. She's looking fine. Nothing missing. But got my hands tied like I'm the villain. Evil only swallows pride. But I'm sometimes kidding. Finger lick kitty, kidding after. Feed the kitten. Cute shit. Kiss me softer than a baby's grip. New sense of high when she bites your lower lip. If she quit, make my heart skip, then snip When we're together like ice cream Mixed with some mint Pepper Shoddy had to rescue my respiratory Want some man, who's a man? That is mandatory Only without her off the path Like I never met with Dory Help her write her story Take the qualms out her quarry Girl, I'm free falling for you Still, temptation follows free Just tell me when you fall for me Please, just tell me when you fall Girl, I'm free falling for you Follows Just tell me when you fall for me, please. Just tell me when you fall. Selfie Thomas as the roly always be my plus one. Shotty is my bogey. In it for the long haul, not for the trophy. No, every day feeling greater than Tony. Falling for her and I think she falling for me too I Falling like two V's make a double U Type of dude to build you up and make the rubble move, move it. Type of dude to have my phone out all in front of you Only cause you got my back Presence always sets the mood Never starts any trouble without any proof No problems if there was make the puzzle poof Laugh it up Goof balls, you should see the spoof Girl I'm free falling for you Still temptation follows free just tell me when you fall for me please just tell me when you fall free well i'm free falling for you still temptation follows free just tell me when you fall for me please just tell me when you fall.